Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19 meter band to Far West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabiso Luhoko and Figle Nwati. In our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa Burundians march against foreign interference. Condolences continue to pour in for Cuba's leader Fidel Castro and Zambia's President Edgar Lungu kicks off state visit to Tanzania. In economics news, Zimbabwe's central bank to circulate new bond notes today. And in sports news, South Africa prepares for women's Afghan semi-final clash against Nigeria. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musam. Egypt's Interior Ministry says authorities have arrested an extremist cell planning anti-government attacks. Ten suspects have been arrested in the province of Suze and have confessed to doing surveillance work in preparation for targeting a number of security locations and police personnel. The ministry says one of those arrested, Abdel Rahman al-Hadi, has links to militants in North Sinai and has received bomb-making and weapons training there. Ugandan, pres- uh, Ugandan police say 55 people have been killed in clashes between security forces and a new armed group reportedly fighting to create a separate state in the west of the country. Police spokesperson Andrew Felix Kawisi says 14 police officers and 41 militants had died in the clashes in the town of Kasise when fighters linked to the Royal Guard of the Rwanzuru Kingdom attacked patrolling security forces. The local tribal king Charles Wesley Mambure has been arrested following the clashes. Intense discussions have been reported in South Africa's ruling ANC's extended National Executive Committee meeting outside the capital, Pretoria. There's speculation that the future of President Jacob Zuma has been discussed, although the party has not confirmed the agenda of the meeting. A motion of no confidence in Zuma as party leaders reported to have been tabled. Reports also suggest that some NEC members wanted a secret ballot on the motion. The NEC meeting was due to end yesterday. Earlier in the week, the governing party's leadership met twice with party veterans, some of whom have made individual calls for the president to step down. Southern African leaders have paid glowing tributes to the late revolutionary icon Fidel Castro, who died on Friday. Angolan leader José Eduardo dos Santos says Castro was an extraordinary figure of transcendent historical importance. In South Africa, the ruling ANC says government must consider elevating Castro's status within the country. The governing party says the history of Southern Africa cannot be written without mentioning the former Cuban leader. Castro's government provided various forms of material and political support to the ANC and its armoring during the struggle and then to South Africa post-1994. South Africa's president, Jacob Zuma, says Castro was a defender of the marginalized. 
And finally, Gambian President Yaya Jema has warned that anyone involved in violence or unrest during the country's presidential election in three days' time would be dealt with harshly. Jema and the opposition are campaigning across the former British colony. Gambian authorities have refused the European Union access to observe the election on Thursday. This has cast doubts about how free and fair the election will be. African observers have been allowed in the country to monitor the election. That's the news. Headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Thank you, Anne. It's 8.05 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Thousands of Burundians marched over the weekend against the appointment of UN human rights experts who are to investigate on human rights violations in Burundi since April 2015. Angry protesters have accused the commissioners of having a hidden agenda. They also accused the former colonial power Belgium of interfering into internal politics of Burundi. Bernard Bankokira reports from Bujumbura. Burundian, we are extremely against the upcoming of other free so-called investigators in human rights. We don't need them in our country. We say no and no. These are angry protesters marching in the streets of Bujumbura this Saturday to express their refusal to the appointed members of the UN Human Rights Commission to be sent to Burundi investigate on the human rights violations that have been committed in Burundi since April 2015 when the country plunged into a political unrest as a result of the decision of the invited President Pierre Nkurunziza to run for the third controversial term. We don't want Mr. Fata, Oregos, Ms. Irena Alapini Gansu and Ms. Françoise Hanson. We Burundian, we totally refuse Protesters also rebuked the former colonial power, the Belgian Kingdom, attributed all levels that prevailed in Burundi, referring to the recurrent ethnic killings that marked the independent period of Burundi. In a brief sitting before the Belgian embassy in Bujumbura, protesters accused Belgium of handing back a policy of hatred based on ethnicity that negatively affected the country for decades. Belgium! Now Burundian are vigilant. Burundian are now sensitive to European policy only based on ethnicism that Belgian kingdom gave birth in Burundi from colonialism. There is no genocide. There is no ethnic division in Burundi and they will never exist, even happen. In the capital of Bujumbura, Fredin Boninha, the mayor of the city, told the press that the objective of the protest were to tell the world that the commission is not welcome to Burundi. He accused Belgium of hosting and helping the coup plotters and the masterminds of anti-government protests that broke out in April 2015. The premier point consists at denouncer 
Le rôle que la Belgique joue au cours de ces derniers temps. The first point consisted of reproving the role played by Belgium since the recent times. It hosts masterminds of demonstrations and the coup plotters. And besides hosting them, the Belgian Senate invited them where they are being prosecuted by our justice and knowing that some associations have been suspended and disbursed. So we have come to tell to Belgium to stop interfering but instead seek to harmonize our diplomatic relations. Moreover, we should know that the Burundian Senate had written to its Belgian counterpart not to receive them. The second point consisted of denouncing the appointment of the three experts by the President of the United Nations Human Rights Commission and that would come here to conduct investigations. So we have organized this activity to tell them that the government had issued a counter-report which unfortunately was declined and not published. So this is to portray that there is an overt interference. They should give a space to the report from the Burundian government. So we are protesting against the report and we're here to tell them that these people will never come here as the government has decided. The protests were organized at the headquarters of all the 129 communes across the country. The message was the same, to reject the sending of the three UN experts recently appointed to conduct investigations on the crimes committed in Burundi since April 2015, but also to reprimand the former colonial power, Belgium, accused of interfering into the politics of Burundi. Everest Deshimie, the Secretary General of the CNDDFTD ruling party, was in the southern province of Rumonga, and his address to the irritated crowd. Mr. Deshimie accused Belgium of preparing a genocide in Burundi and of being the origin of all the misfortunes that Burundi has been undergoing since independence till now. Speaking on the current ethnic killings that hit Burundi since independence, the CNDDFDD Secretary General accused Belgium, the colonial power, to create inequalities among Burundians and establish puppet governments that were to kill innocent citizens vying for their liberty and dignity. For him, Belgium has been fabricating a fictional genocide in Burundi for its interests. He called the Burundian citizens to reject any divisive ideologies and remain united and combat whoever would attempt to divide them. The UN Human Rights Council announced on November 22nd the appointment of Mr. Fatsa Ugergus from Nigeria, Ms. Rena Alapini Gamsu from Benin, and Ms. Francoise Amson from the United Kingdom to serve as the three members of the Commission of Inquiry on Burundi. The Commission has a period of one year to conduct a thorough investigation into the human rights violations and abuses in Burundi since April 2015. The three members are also mandated to identify alleged perpetrators of human rights violations and abuses in Burundi with a view to ensuring full accountability. In a report issued on September 20, 2016, the Human Rights Council accused Burundi of using a security body the National Police of Burundi, the National Intelligence Service, the National Defense Force, and the youth of the ruling party in Bonayakure to carry out gross human rights violations against political opponents and civil society activists. The question now is how the Commission will operate if the government of Burundi sticks to its position. For Channel Africa, this is Bernard Bankokira, reporting from Bujumbura. 
Thousands of textile workers, political party leaders and youth have given Lesotho Prime Minister Pakarita Musisidi two days to show that a Goa trade agreement with the U.S. is safe to secure 40,000 jobs or step down. The protesters marched through the streets of the capital, Maseru, and delivered a petition to the government. Ntakwanangadana reports. <laughs> Another match in Lesotho because these non-state actors are not convinced that the government has satisfied the United States for continued AGOA eligibility. The alliance of non-state actors is made up of textiles unions, civil society organizations and political party youth leagues. They want the government to genuinely account to the public on progress regarding each of the AGOA eligibility criteria and the implementation of SADC recommendations. Sikonyela Mapeja of the Lesotho Council of Non-Governmental Organizations. Like this implementation of SADC decision will lead to the consultation of Lesotho as AGOA beneficiary country and that is affecting at least 4,000 jobs in the textile industry. And the employer second to none in the country with such a high unemployment rate and devastating levels of poverty exaggerated by the poor harvest due to drought marked by hygiene food and commodity prices. Many of the workers attending the match don't know what the acronym AGOA stands for, but they know that it secures thousands of jobs for thousands of Basutu. Among their concerns, that Lesotho has not implemented SADC recommendations for constitutional and security reforms, and that Lieutenant General Tladika Moody's retirement is not enough when the fate of soldiers arrested for mutiny, some still in maximum security prison, hangs in the balance. The alliance says visits by two high-level envoys from the American government have convinced them that Lesotho is battling to satisfy its eligibility for AGOA. Mapecha. Rule of law, accountability, human rights violation, including shrinking space for media pluralism, rampant corruption allegations that punish integrity and image of the country nationally and internationally. A faction of the embattled Prime Minister's Party Democratic Congress says it and its new partners are waiting to take over government. Deputy Leader Munyane Muleleki attended the march. Through both President Obama and President-elect Mr. Donald Trump to give the incoming government an opportunity and I hope that I will prevail on the incoming government to send a high-level delegation to the American capital to not only convince American authorities of our determination to qualify for our Goa, but also to expand the possibilities which we never took advantage of over the years. The Minister of Finance, Tlohang Sikhamani, and Minister of Justice, Muiketi Malebu, received the memorandum. Tlohang Sikhamani. The Prime Minister and the government will look at it and respond. When AGOA started in Lesotho, textile exports trebled from 140 million to 450 million US dollars, 95% going to the US. Jobs jumped from 10,000 to 50,000. Today, Lesotho has diversified markets and 35% of textiles exports go to South Africa. But non-state actors say 120,000 other people, including taxi operators and landlords, will be affected if AGOA goes.
They have given the Prime Minister 48 hours to respond or step down. I'm Takwana Ngatani in Maseru, Lesotho. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Africa, rise and shine. I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean-Noël Bamwisi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. Informing the world about Africa. Ngatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. It's 8.17 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Former Cuban President Fidel Castro, who has died at the age of 90, was one of the world's longest ruling political leaders. Castro seized control of the largest Caribbean island in 1959 after waging a two-year guerrilla war against the Batista regime. After almost half a century, he unexpectedly handed over power to his younger brother Raul at the beginning of 2008 due to his deteriorating health. Castro evoked extreme emotions worldwide, including in South Africa. He was idolized as a champion of social justice and also despised as a ruthless dictator. Angie Capellanes compiled this obituary of a man known simply as Fidel or the Commander. I want you to say that I feel very pleased for having come here to visit South Africa and to be involved together with you in this great historical moment. Cuban President Fidel Castro first came to South Africa in May 1994 for Nelson Mandela's presidential inauguration. He was one of the world's leaders who put aside their differences for a day to witness the country's transition. Wearing his trademark green fatigues, Castro said he didn't think he'd visit South Africa so soon. We're a little bit too far away geographically. However, the events, the way they have unfolded, in nineteen seventy five Castro sent thousands of soldiers to Angola to help the Soviet backed MPLA. The liberation movement was fighting a civil war against the FNLA and UNITA to seize independence from Portugal. With the threat of communism on South Africa's doorstep, Prime Minister B.J. Foster deployed the Defence Force to boost the American-supported UNITA rebels. We have lost good and brave men. I pray that their families will find comfort in the thought that they died so that men, women and children could live free of the yoke of atheist, communist enslavement. The 50,000 Cuban troops only left Angola between 1989 and 1991 in terms of a South African precondition for Namibia's independence. I think that one of the most selfless pages that have ever been written in the world was that one. Never before so much was done with so little. Yes, it was worthwhile the sacrifice.
Fidel Castro was born in a sugar plantation in southeastern Cuba on the 13th of August 1926. Armed with a Jesuit education and law doctorate, Castro attempted to overthrow coup leader Fulgencio Batista from the early 1950s for violating the constitution. In 1953, Castro was arrested and held in solitary confinement for more than two months after leading a failed attack on a military garrison. Although he was sentenced to 15 years imprisonment, he was pardoned in 1955. In exile in Mexico, Castro met the revolutionary legend from Argentina, Che Guevara. Together with some 80 exiles, they sailed in the Granma yacht to Cuba at the end of 1956. And from the Sierra Maestra Mountains, they waged a two-year revolution until Batista fled on the 1st of January, 1959. Stand up, all victims of The United States was one of the first countries to recognize Castro's government. But when he expropriated American properties and companies, Washington tried to strangle Cuba diplomatically and trade-wise. Castro simply thumbed his nose at the American superpower and forged ahead with his socialist revolution and one-party communist state. We do not have the multi-party system that we did. In our country, it's the population which directly nominates candidates. So we have as many parties as citizens want to put up candidates. I would have my criticisms to the multi-party system because it divides and uh, disseminates the forces. Despite pressure to shun Castro, the ANC and government cemented its relations with Cuba from 1994. South Africa, for example, imported Cuban doctors and drugs, while Cuba imported South African minerals and machinery. When Castro again visited South Africa in September 1998, Cuba was a literate, educated and healthy society. But it was also an extremely poor one, without free speech or association. Mere disrespect, dissent, slander or propaganda resulted in detention, imprisonment, torture, death and exile. The Freedom Front and Democratic Party consequently boycotted Castro's speech in Parliament. He is no friend of democracy and is in fact an oppressor of human rights in his own country in that he has caused the summary execution of thousands of Cubans by a firing squad for political reasons. Despite this litany of abuses, Parliament welcomed Fidel Castro as a hero. The Cuban leader said South Africans were still not equal, despite the country's political miracle. There are still today two South Africans, which I should not call the white and the black South Africa. That terminology should forever be dropped if you want to build a united and multiracial country. And this was his lasting message to South Africa. I think you have very able people, very clever people. You have expertise. You have the capacity of organization. And if you have peace, you will be able to get as far as you want. I'm Angie Kaplianis in Johannesburg. 
South Africa's governing African National Congress, ANC, says government should consider sending a delegation to attend the official funeral of Cuban leader Fidel Castro on the 4th of December. The ANC is among local political parties and individuals that have reacted with sadness to the passing of Castro on Saturday morning in the Cuban capital, Havana, just three months after celebrating his 90th birthday. Castro took power in Cuba in 1959 and ruled Cuba for 49 years. His long-term support for the liberation struggle and ongoing support for the country's education and health sectors warn him a special place in the heart of many South Africans. Busi Chumombe reports. The ANC has paid tribute to Cuban leader Fidel Castro, saying that the history of Southern Africa cannot be written without mentioning his name. Party Secretary General Guedemantashe says government must consider elevating his status within the country. Castro's government provided various forms of material and political support to the ANC's liberation forces during the struggle against apartheid and to the country post-1994. As South Africans were benefiting from the solidarity and the relationship we have with Cuba, uh, medical doctors in our society, they are not just a feature of South Africa, they are a feature of the continent in many uh, developing countries. So uh, we'll honour... Comrade Fidel, we're hoping that the state will elevate his role to the right level, even uh, even if it would mean uh, the president addressing the nation, and even sending a delegation to the funeral as South Africa. In a statement, President Jacob Zuma has said that the Cuban leader identified with the struggle of South Africans and inspired the Cuban people to join the country in getting its freedom. Former President Tabombeki has also paid tribute to the revolutionary leader. It's a, it's a sad loss of a, of a, towering, a towering figure uh, for people who were engaged in struggle, in revolutionary struggles, because Fidel, uh, Fidel was uh, really a great inspiration to all of us. Uh, but uh, even more than an inspiration, uh, very much involved, very much involved in our own struggle here. Uh, some of our best uh, military cadres actually were trained by the Cubans. The SACP has echoed its alliance partner sentiments, with SACP General Secretary Bladen Zimande saying South Africa will be eternally grateful to Castro for his humanity and solidarity. When they were taking bodies, you know, of dead soldiers who were killed in Angola, Comrade Fidel said, we went to the African continent to serve and defend the just cause of liberation. We did not come back with gold or diamonds from the African continent. All we carried back to Cuba were the dead bodies of our soldiers. That was such a powerful statement, which is true. The importance of Castro to South Africans is perhaps reflected by how rare it is that there is agreement between members of the Tripartite Alliance and the EFF. The party says it will continue to push for the realization of the objectives of the July 26 movement, the movement that Castro led when he overthrew the Batista dictatorship in Cuba in 1959, aimed to distribute land to peasants, nationalize public services, and promote industrialization. EFF Secretary General Kudrich Gadi. Commandant Fidel Castro was an internationally socialist, a friend of the world, an anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist activities. It is that ideological sphere that we should pick up from him. We are inspired by the July 26 movement and to the people of the world, 
we can only say Aluta continua. Trade union leaders have also sent their condolences to the Cuban people. The National Union of Metal Workers says it will continue to draw inspiration from Castro. NUMSA General Secretary Irvin Jim says that Castro was consistent in his rejection of capitalism and lamented the fact that many South Africans had not embraced his beliefs. It is said that despite us having enjoyed the solidarity with Cuban and its vision for socialism, very few of South African individuals in the rest of the world who basically accepted that we need to struggle and pass a class struggle for socialism. This embracement of capitalism has actually failed us as we speak. We're languishing in poverty, unemployment. In Cuba, there's nobody who sleep without food. They have stick to the system of socialism. And if it was not for the United States blocking, Cuba would have been very far. Former Minister Ronnie Castro's says he is still shocked at Castro's passing. Castro says Castro was like a brother to him, from whom he learned a lot. He says he had the privilege of escorting Castro to Robben Island when he was in South Africa. He was so impressed when we were on Robben Island to see the small cell that um, Madiba had spent all those years in, that uh, all the other prisoners had spent their tens and twenty years in, it, it um, affected him deeply and he felt that he had been imprisoned under the Batista for a couple of years. He felt that was nothing in terms of what um, Governor Becky Kathrada, Nelson Mandela and, and Mac Maharaj and so many others had experienced. Ordinary South Africans have also added their voice to the outpouring of sympathy. Tibelo Strish a South African doctor who was trained in Cuba from 1991 says he remembers Castro and that he had a special place in the hearts of students from many African countries studying in the country. When it came to us, African students, he, he would relax. He would let us in on his uh, group and ask us about our well-being, you know, in those, in those events. And I remember even on, in his compound, when there were delegations, African delegations, there wasn't so much stringent uh, security tech who would come into the compound there to meet the delegation. There was that closeness. You saw him pop, almost palpable. I mean, I would meet him uh, coming from my school, which was not very far, Iran. Iran is not very far from his compound. I would meet him at night, walking. And then I see this bed, then you see this bed at the back. He's wound on the window, you know, and he's driving very slowly and he's reading. And I could see him directly, you know, <laughs> that was something. Castro was cremated in accordance with his last wishes. His remains will be buried at a cemetery in the city of Santiago, where he was born. The Cuban government has declared several days of mourning, and a tour of his ashes throughout the country will precede the funeral. And that report by Busi Chimombe. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. Very good morning to you. In the headlines, Egypt's interior ministry says authorities have arrested an extremist cell planning anti-government attacks. Ugandan police say 55 people have been killed in clashes between security forces and a new armed group reportedly fighting to create a separate state in the west of the country. And Southern African leaders have paid glowing tributes to the late revolutionary icon Fidel Castro, who died on Friday. Those are the stories making headlines.
Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Kulitonjoe for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. Informing the world about Africa. Ntakwanangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwaigi Konyo in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Zambia's President Edgar Lungu has kicked off his three-day state visit to Tanzania aimed at strengthening ties. President Lungu is expected to visit the Tanzania and Zambia Railway Tazara and the oil pipeline Tazama, both located in Dar es Salaam, before signing for agreements. Gabriel Zakaria has more from Dar es Salaam. Tazara is a railway line that connects both countries, Tanzania and Zambia. A Chinese-built railway line is an important project which citizens of both countries have been enjoying the railway service since then, either from Zambia to Tanzania or vice versa. Tanzania's Minister of Foreign Affairs and the East African Cooperation, Dr. Augustine Mahiga, explains that at Tazara, the heads of state will discuss issues of management, including salaries, which has been a challenge due to profit decline together with the replacements of train wagons and the engines. Well, Tazara, I think, is that this is really the artery that links Tanzania and Zambia. And of late, Tazara has had some operational difficulties, but as I said, they have been discussed at a tripartite level between Zambia, Tanzania and China. And we are implementing the agreements that have been reached in those tripartite meetings. And visiting Tazara was just to give encouragement, but also to see how the implementation of the newly arrived agreements is proceeding on. He will also visit, actually, the Tazama uh, installations and also visit the port of Dar es Salaam. It's not only Tazama. All the three vital installations will be visited by the president. Another significant mark to entail the strong friendship between both countries is the oil pipeline Tazama, which the two leaders will discuss plans to add another portion within the same pipe that will transport gas, therefore increase the number of commodities transported besides crude and refined oil. Dr. Mahiga again. Well, the second area of reviewing cooperation for the purpose of strengthening is the Tazama pipeline. This pipeline was established more than 30 years ago to transport crude oil from Dar es Salaam to Ndola in northern Zambia. And now they're looking at the possibility of extending the use of the pipeline, maybe to be able to transport and refine the products as well, apart from the crude. But they're also looking at the possibility of either using the same pipeline or the truck along which this pipeline goes. If there could be an additional pipeline or using the same pipeline for the transportation of gas from Tanzania, now that Tanzania is a gas-producing country. But there are also other areas of cooperation which might be new areas that we have been discussing under the permanent joint commission between Tanzania and Zambia, which includes, among others, 
the movements of people between the two countries. Port's Authority of Dar es Salaam is a significant tool for Zambia since it is an open gate to allow Zambia's cargo from overseas to pass it through. And this is another reason for President Lungu to stop over to Dar es Salaam Port's Authority before he ends up his three-day official visit. Both leaders will witness a significant of five agreements which will include transportation including air travel between Dar es Salaam and Lusaka, diplomatic consultations, immigration and prisons. Minister of Foreign Affairs and East African Cooperation Dr. Gaston Mahiga explains once more. The possibility of having an air transport agreement between the two countries and the ways of improving security along the border and transit trade from Tanzania to Dar es Salaam, to, from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania to Lusaka. The president will also be visiting the port of Dar es Salaam, which of late has been revamped drastically to permit quick transportation in terms of technical inputs, but also an improvement in the management, encourage Zambian business people to continue using the port of Dar es Salaam with its new facilities and new management. Now, these are vital areas in our relationship, not only as bilateral countries, but in the context of SADC countries, because Dar es Salaam is also an entry port for other SADC countries like Malawi, the DRC, and as far as Zimbabwe. And the visits to these places will signal not only a symbolic visit, but inject a political commitment to continue using this right with donations. Other include simplified trade regimes and the border agreements in which further discussions on the one-stop border post under construction in Tunduma will be held. Reporting for Channel Africa in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, this is Gabriel Zakaria. Let's go back in time to today in 1987. A South African Airways Boeing 747 crashed into the Indian Ocean, killing all 159 people on board. A fire which started from the main deck cargo hold caused the crash of the jet. That was today in history in the year 1987. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorna. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Namibia International Beach and Cultural Festival, Landstrand Beach, Walfus Bay, Namibia, 23rd, 24th, 25th of December, Music Festival with international and local artists, four-night accommodation packages and activities available at CompuTicket Travel, main event tickets available at CompuTicket, 150 Namibian dollars, 150 rands, and 130 pula, tickets are available at ShopRite and Checkers, get yours today, VIP is 500 Namibian dollars, 500 rands, 
Hot or 380 Pula. Hashtag Xmas in Namibia. Hashtag Harambe. Cultures of Southern Africa Route is powered by Channel Africa. www.culturalfestival.net. Download the app today. Minister in the Presidency Jeff Khadebe says South African society is still far from being a truly united nation. While public protector Busisiwe Mkwabane says the recent violent fees must fall protests that cost taxpayers millions of rands could have been avoided had her office been utilised to reconcile and mediate. The two shared the stage during the lecture of the late ANC President Albert Lutuli at the University of Guazul Natal's Westville campus. Vusi Makosini reports. Hadebe says 22 years into democracy, South Africans are still not united. He says there is an incident where two white people appear in a video assaulting a black man and forcing him into a coffin are some of the remains of apartheid legacy. These events portray us as the skunk of the world that President Mandela spoke about so contemptuously in his inaugural address. These incidents, together with other discriminatory practices such as xenophobia, threaten to reverse the gains of our democracy. Hadebe says the ANC-led government has done great strides in responding to the vision of Chief Albert Tuli for a black child to have access to education. In a paper entitled, What Would I Do If I Were Prime Minister? He articulates his vision in the following words. Education will be free and compulsory for all to the primary stage at first and later up to matriculation. Substantial aid will be given to universities with a generous system of bursaries and loans to students. It is very ironic that more than 50 years since Lutuli since Lutuli wrote this paper, it also finds resonance today with the current discourse about education. But I also find solace in the realization that we have already implemented some of the recommendations of Chief Albert Lutuli in that paper. Public Protector Advocate Busio Mkwebane says violent service delivery protests and the damage caused by the recent Fismas fault campaign could have been avoided had the Office of the Public Protector been used to mediate. The Public Protector can investigate, can conciliate, can mediate, can even negotiate in resolving disputes. I think this is one element which is not utilized much, but then issues of service delivery protest can be conciliated at that early stage before we have a lot of damages. Issues like FISMA's uh, fall protests can be conciliated and mediated at that particular early stage um, without causing any further damage. Nkwebane blamed the reluctance by some racial groups to learn to speak African languages as one of the challenges that hinders social cohesion. I am Vosima Kosin in Devon. The conservation of allophorics one was one of the focus points during a meeting of the Convention on the International Trade in Endangered Species CITES in the Southern Cape region of South Africa. Scientists and environmental activists gathered in the region to see how rural communities are benefiting from this plant. The indigenous plant is used to produce pharmaceutical, health and beauty products. Spiwe Hobasi has one. South Africa is ranked third behind Indonesia and Brazil as the most biological diverse country in the world. 
It is home to 207 indigenous species, with three of them making up half of all the commercial trades. Among the three species is aloferox, commonly known as the Cape aloe or bitter aloe. Its byproducts are exported throughout the world, putting it at risk of being over-harvested. CITES delegate Liu Yang says they must ensure that international trade does not threaten its survival. CITES is not about banning trade, but rather to encourage the sustainable use that is going to benefit both rural community and also the protection of the species. And they were happy to have this opportunity for delegates to see their first-hand experience and learn from the local experience here. The plant is indigenous to the Western Cape and flourishes in areas like Albertinia. Delegates also focused on how the species contributes to sustainable livelihoods, creating employment and growing the local economy. Velemin Pekalan is among the local residents who harvest aloe for a living. My parents taught us how to cut aloes. For me, as a child, it helped with food on the table to give me education. My dad's income, it's helping there with the income. Spiwe Hobasi reports on that story. And I'm Tabi Solohoku with an economics update. Good morning. Zimbabwe's central bank says it will circulate a $10 million worth of new bond notes on Monday. The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe expects the currency to ease a serious cash crunch but will limit withdrawals to curb any abuse. The bank first announced the plan in May to issue bond notes to address chronic cash shortages and supplement the dwindling U.S. dollars that have been in circulation for the past seven years. But many Zimbabweans are skeptical about the scheme after rampant money printing caused a 2008 multi-billion percent inflationary meltdown. Thousands of textiles workers, political party leaders and youths have given Lesotho Prime Minister Pagadita Musisidi two days to prove that 40,000 jobs will be created under America's African Growth and Opportunity Act. The marches in the streets of the capital Maseru and uh, they marched rather in the streets of the capital Maseru and delivered a petition to the government. Ngatan reports. A section of the embattled Prime Minister's Party, Democratic Congress, says it and its new partners are waiting to take over. D.C. Deputy Leader Munyane Mulelegi attended the march. President Obama and President-elect Mr. Donald Trump to give the incoming government an opportunity. And I hope that I will prevail on the incoming government. South Africa's Treasury says failure by government to meet its own growth target is behind the rating agency Fish's decision to drop South Africa's growth outlook from stable to negative. This is despite rating reviews from both Fitch and Moody's affirming the country's economy is still investment grade. National Treasury says South Africa has been underperforming on its own growth forecasts for the past four years. Tepo Mungwai reports. 
Moody's rating agency has kept the country's sovereign credit rating unchanged. It stays at BAA2, which is two notches above the sub-investment or junk status. The Zambia National Union of Farmers says that the high cost of doing business and production as well as the poor product productivity are the root causes of high mealy meal and other food prices in the country. ZNFU President Jeffrey Zimba says that the solution to reduce and stabilize mealy meal and other food prices lay in improving the country's agricultural productivity. Zimba says for years now, mealy meal consumer subsidies through discounted food reserve agency maize supplied to millers had failed to significantly reduce mealy meal prices. The European Union and Denmark have poured cold water on the push by some donor countries to seize advancing aid to Kenya. The head of the Development Cooperation for the European Union delegation to Kenya, Eric Habers, says despite Kenya's status having been elevated to a middle-income economy, the EU has no immediate plans to end assistance to the country. Habers also says that the support will continue adding that the EU will soon announce a substantial funding pledge to water and development projects. He was speaking on the sidelines of the just-concluded Kenya Water Nairobi Week. The U.S. dollar trades at 14.7 in South Africa, 10.67 in Botswana, 9.80 in Zambia, 8.0 to the British pound, 9.4 to the euro, gold $1,192, platinum $918 an ounce, brand crude oil $47.25 a barrel. I'm Tabiso Lohoko for Channel Africa. It's time now for a sport update with the Figi Well, Tabi Solohoko, thank you for that introduction. Figile Kastasimenya, world-renowned sports award. Wait, Fanny Gerk. Yeah. I hope they will continue sustaining this because I, this I, is I amazing so. stuff for South Africa. Apart from so. golf, um, in other sports, uh, cricket, rugby, and now athletics. I think athletics is going to take us to the dizzy heights. Especially Wade and and and, and uh, eight hundred meters champion Casta Semenya, they will continue to raise South African flag very high. They are very special. Very very special. Give us an update. In our sports update this hour, we begin with the cricket news. The fourth women's one-day international between the Momentum Proteas and Australia went down to the final ball, ending in a tie at C.X. Coffs International Stadium in Coffs Harbour on Sunday. Australia are 3-0 up in the five-match series. The Southern Stars set a 243-run target after electing to bet first. Elise Perry, 69, and Nicole Bolton, 63, made a top betting contribution, sharing an 80-run stand for the third wicket, with Alex Blackwell and Elise Villani chipping in with 35 and 24 runs, respectively. South Africa's Sunay Luz and Captain Danay van Niekerk were the pick of the bowlers, taking a respective 4 for 37 and 3 for 52 to restrict the host to their competitive total. In the reply, the Preachers lost Lizelle Lee at 12 and Lara Godal 2 in the first eight overs. Lewis 
made 18 and Migno Dupree only managed five runs before their dismissals in the 11th and 12th overs. In football news, Banyana Banyana midfielder Numpumela Runyandini says playing Nigeria is always like playing a cup final. South Africa and Super Falcons of Nigeria will face off in the semi-final of the 2016 CAF African Women's Cup of Nations at Stade Limbe Omnisport in Cameroon on Tuesday evening at 2000 hours Central African time. The Sasol sponsored Banyana Banyana booked their place in the last four with a 5-0 demolition job on Egypt, while Nigeria secured their spot following a 4-0 victory over Kenya. The result ensured the Nigerians finished top of Group B, which meant a meeting with South Africa. Still with football news, the South African under-20 men's national team Amajita defeated their counterparts from Kenya 3-1 in an exciting international friendly match played at the weekend at the Takane Stadium east of Johannesburg. Goals from Captain Tessias Malepe and second-half substitute men's Indoandwe and Shono Lohadebe were enough to give Amajita victory. South Africa is using the match to prepare for the upcoming 2016 Kosafa Under-20 Cup that will be held in Rustenburg, South Africa's northwest province, from the 7th to the 12th of December. Amajita will now move their preparations to Rustenburg as the Kosafa Under-20 gets closer. And in athletics, South African athlete Wade Fanikerk is the biggest winner of the major awards at the South African Sports Awards for the second year in a row in Bloemfontein, South Africa's free state province last night. A 24-year-old has been named Sports Star of the Year, Sportsman of the Year, and also voted in the People's Choice or Award. Yeah, um, I think I've said it, uh, how, how massive it is and how much I appreciate it. I mean, um, obviously I've been training for this for about four years now, Olympics, and um, there was a lot of tough times. At the same time, there was, there was some, some good times, but I, I just really thank the Lord for um, being able to push me through, giving me the wisdom to wake up every day and, and, and realize that, I've, that He's blessed me with a talent. And, and that's what it's all about for me right now, is just to live out my God-given talents and, and try and, and, and not be ashamed to do great, but just go out there and, 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 and dominate as much as I can while I can, while it's my time to, to just go out there and, and, and do the best way that I can, and that's what it's all about. Golden Gail Casta Simenya won the Sportswoman of the Year Award after she also had a great year in 2016. Simenya says it has been an amazing year. It has been an amazing year. Uh, obviously, credit goes to the team. Uh, I have a great team uh, that we have built, you know, over a short period of time. You know, it's like about two years now since I've moved to Poch. So they've done a fantastic job. You know, the support system is great. Obviously, you know, the support that you get from a family, you know, friends and uh, the entire nation, obviously, it does boost the morale. And it also makes you, you know, believe in yourself that you can do better. So, yeah, it's just a fantastic feeling. That's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa Burundians' march against foreign interference. Condolences continue to pour in for Cuba's leader, Fidel Castro. And Zambian President Edgar Lungu kicks off state visit to Tanzania. 
That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumuzo Ramagadza and Komuzo Mopulane, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or send an SMS on 277 Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Is Ismail Lowe with the song titled Jammu Africa.